and lives to the Lord and then their talents. Amen. Uh, and I want, to, I want to publicly say this. I appreciate Miss Gay for stepping in and helping us out while Miss Tammy is away. I do want to say thank you, Miss Gay. Where, there she is. Amen. <laughs> I appreciate her always playing the organ, but then I appreciate her jumping on that piano. Uh, I know she had a, lo a lot going on. I was messaging her. I was like, Miss Gay, are you, are you still going to be able to make it? She goes, Lord willing, I'll be there. I said, Amen. There's nothing like a faithful, faithful lady to come and play the piano. And I appreciate that, Miss Gay, from the bottom of my heart. Uh, but hey, if you got your Bibles handy, hold them up. Get them up, get them up, get them up. All right. Now, all right, let's see who don't have one tonight. All right, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Some of you hold it with your phones, amen. Nah. Right, but I do want to thank you so much for being here tonight. Have them Bibles ready and handy because I have a feeling we'll be going uh, multiple places tonight. So, Brother Ronald Looney, you come up and you preach, brother. We're going to give you ample time. Just let her go. We ain't even got a clock back there. So, I hope you guys brought your calendars tonight. Amen. Amen. <laughs> thank you for being here this evening. And after listening to the sermons that we heard Sunday, I feel like a novice. I, I'm honest. I mean, you know, uh, 78 years the Lord has let me live. And I've been in the ministry for over 50 years. And uh, the brother showed me some things that I'd never thought about Sunday. I knew where he was going after he got started, but I... Had, hadn't seen some of the things he showed me until Sunday. And I hope that I can give you a few things tonight and help you spiritually in the Word of God. If I had brought my notebook tonight instead of a couple of sheets, we'd be here a while. I tried to cut it short I don't know how you cut a sermon short. I mean, you just have to stop. Amen. Because uh, the Word of God is, uh, you just, uh, you can't, it's inexhaustible. Right. Uh, you, can't, uh, you can't just read it through one time and you've got it. You, you've got to go back and read it again. And uh, you find out that uh, you didn't get it the first time. And then uh, after you've gone through it the second time, you come back and you go it through the third time and you found out you didn't get it all the second time. My wife and I are on our 12th year reading through the Word of God. And I'm amazed that every time we read through the Word of God, I see something that I did not see the other 11 times through. You ought to read the Word of God every day. We start our day just about every morning with the Word of God. Sometimes we get caught up in having to do something else, but we always manage to get back in the evening and get in the Word of God and read through the Word of God. If you would, turn in the Gospel of St. John, chapter number 1. With the Lord's help, I'm going to do my best to try to show you some things out of the first five verses of John chapter 1 concerning our Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope that if you have a notebook that you will 
jot down some things. I had a whole list of things that I would love to have been able to bring out tonight, but time just will not permit for me to go into all the things that I had written down that I would like to be able to tell you tonight. Hopefully, uh, I can get back on some of those things later. But I'm going to try to show you something from the Word of God tonight to prove who Jesus Christ really is. And if you don't believe this passage of Scripture, John chapter 1, if you do not believe this passage of Scripture, I doubt very seriously if you're saved. Because nowhere does the Bible tell us that a person can go to heaven who does not believe that Jesus Christ himself is very God of very God. And I'm going to try to show you some things from the word tonight. Look at John chapter number one, verse number one. I'm going to read the first five verses and then we'll get into a little bit of study in the word of God. In the beginning was the word. I want you to notice that word. It's capitalized. When you see a word like this in the King James Bible that is capitalized, it means that that word is personified. That is, it's about a person. And the Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and notice this, and the word was with God. And the word was God. Now, the Jehovah's Witnesses, when they read this through the New World Translation of the Bible, their Bible, what they call a Bible, it's not a Bible, really. Uh, it's, uh, uh, it's deception. They say uh, in this second phrase, and uh, or the word was with God, they say, that uh, the word was. They don't say it was. They they don't say it was with God. They just say the word, uh, the word, the word was. And I'm going to cover a couple of things. I'm not preaching primarily or talking about the Jehovah's Witness doctrine. I can care less about their doctrine. I want you to know the truth. That's all that matters. Amen. We don't have to study the Jehovah's Witness doctrine right. to know. The truth of the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Uh, when uh, they train bank tellers and FBI agents and so forth concerning money and how to detect counterfeit money, they do not train them with counterfeit money. They set them down in a room with millions of dollars, real money, and put them to counting that money all day long. One dollar after another, counting, counting that money. And every now and then, amongst all of those millions of dollars, they will inject a counterfeit bill. And as soon as they come to that counterfeit bill, automatically by touching that counterfeit bill, they know that it's counterfeit. And I want to say to you tonight, if you know your Bible when you hear some doctrine taught or some teaching that is taught, you will automatically know whether that is the truth or not when you hear it. I learned a long time ago just by 
certain words that I hear that come from some preacher's mouth, automatically when I hear those words, I know that it's false. And I want to say to you tonight, tonight, don't study the doctrine of the Jehovah's Witness. Study this. And I mean King James. I'm not talking about the good news for modern man, which is, wasn't good news at all. It's bad news because it took away from the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's finish reading here. I'll be here all night if I don't get into this. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not, or comprehended it not. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I need your help. Now, God, we're getting into some serious study in the Word of God tonight. And I believe, God, that this is one of the most profound passages of Scripture in the Word of God concerning who Jesus Christ really is. Now, help me, Lord, as I try to teach and preach the Word of God tonight. Help me, God, to get the Word out. Open every heart in this building. And if there's one here tonight that does not believe, I pray that before the service is over, they will believe who Jesus is. Lead us now, guide us, and direct us, and fill us with thy spirit. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. The introduction to the Gospel of John, some scholars say that John the Gospel of John was probably the last of the four Gospels. As a matter of fact, some say that the Gospel of John was probably written after John wrote the book of Revelation on the Isle of Patmos. I don't know, and they don't know. They just assume that it may have been written afterwards, and uh, John followed up on... Uh, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke and, and gave some things that they did not give. Now, if I give you an outline on the first chapter of John, we might say that John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 is an introduction to the Christ. And that includes verses 9 through verse number 18. An introduction to Christ or an introduction of Christ. John chapter 1, verse 6 through 8, we might say is the introducer of Christ. And then thirdly, John chapter 1, verses 35 through 51, we might say the introduced. To Christ. Now, I don't have time to cover this outline, and I do not have time to cover three, these three points. I'm just going to give you something to sort of get when you start studying it, you can 
look back on this outline and get some ideas. I'm going to try to cover the first point, the introduction of Christ in our study tonight. The first chapter of the Gospel of John begins by introducing Jesus Christ. It is a, you might say, a masterful introduction. And whether or not you believe this passage of Scripture, it is the litmus test to your faith, whether you realize it or not, because it deals with who Jesus Christ really is. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, I want to deal with three thoughts in this passage of Scripture tonight under this introduction to Christ. I want to talk about, first of all, his relationship to God. And secondly, I want to talk about his relationship to the galaxies. That is the creation. And then I want to talk about thirdly, if time permits, his relationship to the gospel. One of the greatest passages in all of the Bible is before us tonight in these first five verses of the gospel of John. You must have these five verses correct if your faith and your doctrine is to be correct in teaching and preaching the Word of God. Because if you do not believe what this passage of Scripture says about the Christ and who He is, then you're going to be preaching and teaching the wrong doctrine. And you certainly will have the wrong faith, that's for sure. Now, the time that is covered in John chapter 1 is from the beginning of creation until the time when Jesus Christ himself reigns up on this earth as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Five verses of Scripture starts from the beginning of time to actually it goes into eternity. Now I want you to notice some things now. First of all, there's Christ's relationship to God in verses 1 and 2. Notice what the Bible says. In the beginning was the Word. The Jehovah's Witness say, in the beginning, the Word was. Now, I beg to differ with that. There's a difference in uh, the, the Word was in the beginning, and the beginning was the Word. That would imply, if you said, in the beginning, the Word was, that could mean that He was created after the beginning. And that's not what the Bible says. In the beginning was the Word. Whenever this earth was called into existence by the Word of God, Christ, the Lord Jesus was right there, the Son of God. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. Somebody explained this some time ago that, 
And I believe it was Brother Horn that made mention of that fact that when the Word was with God, it didn't mean that he was beside of God, or behind God, or in front of God, but he was face to face with God. I believe you remember teaching that, didn't you, brother? I remember it. He was in the bosom of the Father. And then this phrase here, and the Word was God. Now, the Jehovah's Witness say that because in this phrase, the word was God, that there is no definite article in the Greek means that uh, it uh, did not refer to him being God. Well, how many times have you read in the Bible about God and there's no definite article? So what the Jehovah's Witnesses did with this phrase, they took and added an article and then changed the name God, the G, to a little g and said, because there was no definite article, we'll put an article there and we'll call him a God. I've got news for you. He's not a God. He is God through and through, just like God the Father. Now, I, I don't know how to explain it because I don't think humanly we have the mentality to be able to explain the Trinity or the Godhead. Can you imagine having a circle and God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in that circle as one God, but three persons. Now, brother, that's beyond my ability. And I know some have come up with different things, but they don't explain the Godhead. You know why? Because, bless God, he can't be explained. We're serving a God tonight that cannot be explained by human mentality. As a matter of fact, in our lost uh, sinful condition, brother, we hardly know God. As a matter of fact, we don't. The only way that we can know God is that Jesus Christ presents him to us and shows him to us. The word of God said, He's in the bosom of the, of the Father. And uh, he hath declared him. That is, he's shown him unto us. Or we would not know God without the Son. So the relationship of Christ to God is vital to his identity. It shows who he is. His designation is found in verse number one. He's the Word. In the beginning was the Word. Back in the book of Genesis chapter one, in the beginning, God created. And uh, uh, as you go on to read and study Genesis chapter one, you'll find that the Word spoke and it came into existence. That was the Son who did the speaking. You go back to Genesis chapter one, you'll find the Trinity in the creation of God. 
God created, the Spirit moved over the waters, and the Word spoke, and there's the Trinity. His designation, he's the Word. Now, words reveal thoughts. Christ is the great revealer of God's thoughts. Man, this can't get any better than this. His word explains who God is. It tells us all that we need to know about God. Otherwise, we couldn't know God. We have Jesus Christ, the word in flesh. And he went back to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father. And he left you and I with the word in written form. And this word that we hold before us is none other than Jesus Christ himself as he spoke the words of God. He reveals God's thoughts. Let me give you a scripture reference. If you would, turn into Hebrews chapter number 1 and look at verses 1 and 2. And I'll give you a moment to get there and I'll prime the pump a little more here. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 and 2. God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Now notice that. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Well, if the Bible says that God created, and here Hebrews said, by whom he created the worlds, that means Jesus Christ had a hand in creating this universe. Does that tell us something? In the beginning, God created And Jesus, right here in the book of Hebrews, by him was made the world, the worlds. Notice that worlds, that means more than one. And uh, when you go to look through this universe, uh, you find out that there is more than one. When I started the school, and got on up in grade school and began to study uh, about the universe and all of of this stuff back then about the planets and all of this. We studied about the moon and the sun and the earth. And we found out that in our solar system, there was nine planets. Just a few weeks ago, I was looking on the internet and looking about our universe and solar system and looking at some things and found out that they have discovered hundreds of so-called new planets out there. And they have discovered that our solar system is not the only solar system that exists. We live in a universe that is so vast 
that we can't even comprehend how vast it really is. Brother Timothy stood and preached on the universe. Uh, I can't exactly remember what his subject was, but I remember him preaching on that and telling, just going through our galaxy and our solar system and, and the earth was just a little spot and then all of us, man, we just all but disappeared amongst all the galaxy and things out there in our universe. And Christ was the, he was the creator of that universe. This is why the Lord Jesus Christ in Revelation chapter 1, verse number 11 says, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest write in a book, send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna and unto Pergamos and unto Thyatira, unto Sardis and unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea. He tells John, he says, I'm the Alpha and Omega. You know what Alpha and Omega is? Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet and Omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet and he is everything in between. And what he is really saying when he says, I am Alpha and Omega, the first letters and last letters of the Greek alphabet Alpha and Omega takes in everything about him concerning the Word of God. He's the Alpha, the beginning. He's the Omega, the end. And may I say to you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, in this building, when it comes down to it, this old book right here is going to be the judge of the end. This crowd is walking around and said, we don't believe the Bible and we don't need the Bible and we don't need Jesus Christ and we're going to do our own thing. When you stand before him one day, this book right here will be the book that judges you whether you go to heaven or hell. You're not going on your religion. I know I may ruffle some feathers right here, and you're not going because you're a Baptist. If you're not born again, if you haven't been saved by the marvelous grace of God through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll die and go to hell. And if you don't believe what this book says about him, you are already lost and already on your way to hell, and you're already condemned. You don't have to wait to be condemned. When you get there, you're condemned right now. So, he made the worlds. Then I want you to notice the second thing about him. His duration is found in verse number one. In the beginning was the word. Now, I I mentioned a few moments ago that the beginning means when Things were created. You see, before that, there was no beginning. It was eternity. And Christ was right in the middle of eternity with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And when things began, he was there. When creation began, Jesus was there. He was in existence before creation. 
He did not come into being in Bethlehem when he was born in Bethlehem and placed in a manger. He had his beginning back down in eternity, which there was no beginning. You say, preacher, I don't believe that. Well, you've got the right to believe whatever you want to. Nobody can force you to believe anything. But I prefer to believe this book. He is eternal. Now, there's some verbs here in verse 1, and Brother Horn can tell you he taught English. I'm not much of a, I, I, I hated English. One of my worst subjects. But there's some verbs here in verse number 1, in the beginning, was. And, uh, these false religionists and false teachers say, well, that means that uh, he was there, but after God created him. The Bible doesn't teach that. Don't say that. Let me, let me tell you something about what the Greek language says. And I'm, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I have studied some great Greek scholars, men who know the Greek language. And this is what they said about these verbs, the word was mentioned here three times in the first verse of John chapter 1. They say that this word is a verb which is continuous action. It is in the imperfect tense, which means that it's eternal. It's a word that when Christ was is continuous action, he has always been. That's how the Greek language is. And where the Jehovah's Witnesses have changed and added a definite article to the word was God and, and uh, Christ was a God, they, they added that and it changed his, the uh, letter G to a little g in his name. Brother, they've added to the word of God. And Greek scholars, men who know and have studied the Greek manuscripts and help translate the scriptures and, and re, uh, do the scriptures in English and, and all of this say that that cannot be done and it, it's absolutely absurd to do that in the Greek language that in the Greek language from which our scriptures are translated, it cannot be done. So what they've done is like Revelation says, or if you add to, God's going to add the curses and everything in that book, and you take away, God's going to take away your part. That's what they've done. I don't have time to cover any more of that, so we'll just forget that. But it speaks of the eternal existence of Jesus Christ. He has always existed, and there won't be a time when he will not exist. So let me say to you, Mr. Liberal and Modernist, if you're watching on YouTube or you're watching on Facebook tonight, you can change it all you want to, but you can't change it in heaven. 
The word of God said, my word is forever settled in heaven. And brother, no matter how much you burn it or tear it up or throw it out, bless God, it's settled in heaven and you can't do away with it. And no matter what you think of Jesus Christ, you can't do away with him. Brother F.C.M. Lockridge said on those videos, he won't be done away with. The world, the only thing they can do is deny him, but they cannot do away with him, bless God. Hallelujah, one of these days, he's gonna split the eastern skies and he's coming back to this earth to reign on the throne of David uh, for a thousand years just like he said and then brother he's going to deliver up the kingdom to heaven and to God and, way, and reign as king of kings and lord of lords for all eternity while the world rots and burns in hell for eternity and I'm well aware of the fact tonight that the world don't like this but bless God get in line the world in line don't like it either Then I want, you, I want to show you his dwelling. Verse 1 says, with God. Jesus did not live with Mary Magdalene, as some of this crowd said. The Bible said he lived with God. He was in the bosom of God. He dwelt with God. And then I want you to see his deity. The word was God. You cannot make the deity of Jesus Christ any plainer than what it is right there. The Word was God. That's just as plain and plain English as it can get, Brother Horn. He was God. You know what? The deity of Jesus Christ is taught so clearly in the scriptures that a child cannot miss it. But you know a bunch of dumb agnostics and ignorant uh, heathen cannot understand plain English. Hey man! Say, preacher, you gonna get in the flesh? I might. I remember what the word of God says here. In some places, call them by name. And I want to say to you tonight, there's, there's some men in this world call themselves preachers. They're afraid to call a name. They're afraid they're going to lock them up or put them in jail. Lock me up. I could care less. You might be ready to turn me loose before morning. <laughs> Give me a chance to start preaching, bless God, like Paul and Silas uh, in the midnight hour when they begin to sing and, and praise the Lord. And no doubt they'd been preaching, brother, they just decided to sing a little bit after they'd been preaching because they were thrown in jail for preaching. He might decide, well, brother, they've heard our message, so let's just give them some songs and begin to begin to a sing, and God heard it and loved it. Man, he shook that jail apart. 
I wouldn't want to be in the jailer that night, I guarantee you, brother, when that thing started rattling, them doors started, stocks started falling off, doors flying open. And brother, I mean, he come running in there, he was scared to death. That'd be a blessing, wouldn't it, now, being jailed and that happened, man, you'd be shouting, hallelujah, and they're, they're just going crazy. Somebody pray for us. That's what he said. He came running in. He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Paul told him, said, we don't have any fear. We're all here. We ain't gone nowhere. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He didn't say, hey, you know, I noticed something about that. He didn't come in there and say, uh, boy, I'm glad y'all are still here so I can keep my head, you know. They won't cut my head off tomorrow because that's what, was, what would have happened if they'd been gone. He would have had to give his life for the prisoners that had escaped. Paul said, don't, don't worry about it. We're here. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. The word of God said he took them out, took them home. They preached to him. They all, his whole family got saved and then they baptized him. And I, you know, I wonder whatever happened after that about going back to jail. I, I haven't read anything about that. I don't know what happened. I can't wait till I get to heaven and get Paul to tell me about that. <laughs> His deity, he lasts forever. Now, I'm going to try to get you out of here benign, Lord will. I want you to look at our, our, my second point, his relationship to the galaxies in verse number three or to the universe or creation. Notice verse number three. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. That means when you go out and look at these vast oceans from coast to coast, he spoke one day and they just came into existence. That means when you go out on a, a, a cold winter, uh, starry night, when it's, it's so clear, usually that's when I like to go out and look at the heavens. Man, on a winter night, no smoke, no smog, cold, I mean, zero temperature, and you look up at the heavens and you see those stars and, and they're twinkling and all over the heavens, you see those stars are twinkling. And brother, you remember that he spoke and those stars came into existence. Right. And here's something that is amazing. And I learned this just a few years ago by reading the word of God. That the morning stars sang together when God created And there's been some who say that you can watch those stars. And if you're able to slow it down enough, you can pick up musical notes like Morse code from the stars. You know what they're doing? They're praising their creator, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The extent of the creation, all things are made by him. 
And without him was not anything made that was made. If you notice in this verse of scripture, the Bible says all things were made by him, which is positive. And then there's a negative that says, and without him was not anything made that was made. Did you know when you studied John's epistles and the gospel of John and Revelation that one of the habits John has in his writing is that he gives you the positive and then he gives you something negative a lot of times after that. Let me give you a a few verses of scripture. Look at John chapter 1, verse number 20. You're already in chapter 1. The Bible said, and this is talking about John the Baptist, and he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. There's a positive, he said, and he confessed and denied not. That's positive. And then he said, I am not the Christ. So there's the negative aspect of it. He said, no, I'm not him. I'm, I, I'm, I'm just a messenger. I, I'm, uh, I'm a delivery boy. I'm the one that is bringing you the message. There's one coming after me who is mightier than thou than I whose shoes or shoes latchets I am not worthy to unloose. And then in John chapter 3 verse 36 he says he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. That's positive. Here's the negative. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life but the wrath of God abideth on him. Man that's good stuff. 1 John 1, 5, or 8, 23. And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath. And this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees. I am from above. Ye are from this world. I am not of this world. Positive, negative. Look at uh, 1 John 1, 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you. That God is light, positive. And in him is no darkness at all. That's the negative aspect. So let me say to you tonight, if you're not walking in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're walking in darkness, brother. For he is the light. And then 1 John 4, 6, we are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Negative or positive and negative. If you're not of God, then you are in the spirit of error. If you know God, then you're in the spirit of truth. That's positive. Then I want you to notice in verse number three, the energy for creation. You ready? Big word. Made. That's the energy. <laughs> All things 
were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now, the word made or created means exactly what it implies. It's made or created from nothing. As S.M. Lockridge said one day, God reached out, told this earth to stand on nothing and it did I believe that I want to say to you tonight that the human mind of man cannot understand all the creation of God I want to tell you something. When you look around, when we look around this earth and look around the things around us, it boggles my mind as to how God could speak and it just came into existence from nothing. And this evolutionist crowd said, oh, God made it, but it took him hundreds of millions of years uh, just by this evolution and that evolution and this doing this and this doing that for it to come into existence. May I say to you tonight, the only thing that I found that ever evolutes is sin. One sin makes a bigger sin and that one a bigger one and that one a bigger one until, brother, it's out of proportion. You've got to be plumb ignorant if you believe evolution. That's all i got to say about it, brother. These scientists, they claim they're so smart, brother, and how this and this done this and life came from this. Brother, there's got to be life in order for life to exist. Man has been able to invent a lot of things or make a lot of things out of stuff that's already been created, but he has not been able to make human life or bring human life into existence. But they're still messing around with stuff and one of these days God might let them do some things that they might be setting a mess with. The energy for creation was that he made it, he's the creator. The exclusiveness of creation, all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. There's no room for evolution here. It's created by him. And the world hates the doctrine of creation. They've taken it out of the schools. You know why? Because that puts God in charge of everything and puts man wherever. Because man wouldn't be here if God hadn't created him. God created that dirt that mud and then reached down in it one day and formed a man and then got down and breathed into his nostrils a breath of life and man became a living soul. And then one day he took a rib out of that man and made a woman. Somebody said the only difference in the man being created and the woman being created was God used a little bit better refined mud to make the woman. You think about it, that's right. Man was already created, and he, God did a good job with him. He created him pretty good, you know. But then he took that woman, and he made her a little bit better and smoother and 
Uh, man, I'll tell you, how two men can find relationship. That's perversion, buddy. Sometimes, and don't you think I'm vulgar, and I don't intend on being vulgar, but sometimes when it is cold, and years ago, I traveled from Stateful up into Virginia every weekend and preached up there, and there were some times that I was working the third shift at that time and, and would travel up and preach in Virginia on radio on Sunday morning, taught Sunday school, preached at, at 11 o'clock, uh, then went back on Sunday night and taught again and preached the Word of God and then ha had to come back uh, on Sunday night and try to get back home and be ready to go back on the third shift on, on Monday night. And I'd come down this road sometimes and, and it would be so cold and I'd be so tired and sleepy because I'd been, went a whole weekend, got off on uh, Friday night and left and went up there on Saturday and was up uh, late on Saturday night and all day Saturday and Saturday night uh, visiting and, and, and then studying, getting ready for Sunday and come back on Sunday evening and I'd come down that road and I'd be so sleepy, I'd turn the heater off and roll my windows down and come down the road blowing that frost out of my mouth uh, to try to keep from falling asleep and pull in my driveway on late on Sunday night or early uh, on Monday morning and, and go in the house and, and, uh, and get in the bed with my wife and she felt like a heater. And still does. I can be cold sometimes at night. I sit up and, and I'll be so cold. I, I air condition my feet will be freezing. And, and I can get in the bed with her and she'll just scoot over close to me and, and let me put my feet against her leg. Man, it's a heater. Man, tell me God refined them a little bit better than he did, men. I'm glad for that. Thank God for my wife, Amen. I love her, man, and, and we've been almost 58 years. And uh, it gets better all the time, brother, I mean to tell you. And uh, I'm not going to say, well, I can get on something here, I ought not say here. <laughs> let me cover this last point. I've got about seven minutes and I'm going to let you out. Christ's relationship to the gospel. Notice verses four and five. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The important information for a sinner is this fact about Christ and the gospel. The remedy is in verse four. In him is life. If you don't have him, you don't have life. Amen. And the life was the light of men. What's that saying? That the life which is in Christ is that which radiates to men. Oh, hallelujah. I'm glad I have eternal life in him. I'm glad I don't have to lay my head on my pillow tonight and worry about going to hell. And there are so many people nowadays who are, are walking around and they do not know where they're going. They don't know what they're, they just have no idea about what life is all about. It's in Christ 
Death and darkness are a product of our sin. Death came because of sin. And I thought about this when we think about death. There's a group that goes around teaching that there was a civilization on this earth before Adam and Eve. And that when Satan fell, that crowd died out or they were destroyed and the earth became waste and void and then God just recreated or just renewed what he'd already created millions of years ago before Adam and Eve. Somebody approached me with that one Sunday afternoon and he said, that's what I believe. Good Christian. I believe he loves God. I believe he's saved. But he said, uh, I believe that there was a, a civilization of people on this earth way before Adam. And I looked at him and I said, then you've got a problem. He said, what do you mean? I said, because the Bible says that death never came on the scene until after Adam sinned. And I said, now that's Bible. There was no death until after Adam sinned. Now, if you believe there was a civilization here before that, brother, you got a problem. Where, how did they die when there was no death? So I just, you know, I just rather believe what the Bible says. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and he made man, and man sinned. Death came on the scene, and we were all sinners because of that. Death and darkness came from sin. But light and life are the product of salvation, and soul salvation is all in Jesus Christ. Then notice verse number five. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended not. This is the radiating of the Lord Jesus Christ. This speaks of his incarnation. He was born for the purpose of coming into this world and presenting God to man and salvation to man through himself and through his finished work on Calvary and his resurrection. He's the light. John 8, 12 says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. His light gives life. To the weary soul. His light gives life to that person who is lost and on his way to hell if he'll just come to the light or get in the light or let the light get in him. And then my final point, and I've got about two minutes and we're going to be done. 
The darkness, in verse number five, this is the reaction to Christ. The darkness comprehended it not. Now, the word translated comprehendeth has a twofold meaning here. It can speak of rejection, which the world did when Christ came. The, the Bible said, he came to his own, and his own received him not, but to them who received him, he gave them power to become sons of God. Or it can mean not to receive, for Christ was not received well when he came. Remember? A few, he called to be his disciples, and it took them a while before they ever received him for who he was. Actually, most of them did not believe until after the resurrection. And the whole crowd, they, you see what they did? The government, right away, Herod sought to kill him because he thought a new king was coming to take his place, which he was right. He did take his place then, but uh, Herod's in hell now probably, in all probability. And Christ one day is going to reign on the throne of David forever and ever as king of kings, lord, lord. So Herod's going gonna to say, well, uh, yeah, that, uh, that king I tried to kill, it was him. And uh, it can also speak of rebellion. It can mean to overtake and to conquer. And the implication is that the darkness will never overtake or conquer the light who is Christ. Amen. You know what the Bible says? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I want to close with 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 8. And this is speaking about the second coming of Christ when the Antichrist is reigning during the tribulation period. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 8. And then shall that wicked... Now, I want you to notice that it's personified because the W is capitalized. So that means it's a person. Then shall that wicked, or as the Greek says, that wicked one be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Remember, he's the light. Brother, is he going to shine when he comes from glory? Now, when this wicked one is revealed, when does that happen? After the rapture. The wicked one will not be revealed. The Antichrist will not be revealed until after the rapture. And then after the rapture, he'll be revealed. There's The preacher been preaching on this, the tribulation period and all these things that go in the tribulation period. And then Christ comes back with his church. Oh, not only that, but with the armies of heaven, the word of God says. Boy, can you imagine that? Here comes the church riding on white horses. My wife is scared to death of horses. I say, you better get used to them, honey, because we're going to be riding one. And behind them, here's all the Old Testament saints. I assume they're probably going to be riding white horses too. And then behind those are the, uh, that's just no way of telling how many, Unnumerable uh, angels 
coming. And this world thinks that they're going to do something with Jesus. The word of God said he will destroy, redeemed again. And then shall that wicked, a wicked one, be revealed after the rapture, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. There's the word, brother. There's John chapter 1. In the beginning, the word, the word was God, uh, with God, and the word was God. All he has to do is speak. Let me tell you something. We puny men are not going to do anything against God or his son. All he has to do is speak in what? Your history. All God has to do, Brother Rodney, right now, speak, and I'd be done. All he'd have to do is say, that death angel, heart attack. I'm done. Let me say something to you tonight. If you're here and you're lost, you don't know Christ as your Savior, I'd get to this altar. And I'd get on my face and I'd beg him to save me tonight because the rapture of the church, and I believe this all my heart, I tell my wife every day, I say, is this the day the Lord could come? I mean, everything is in place. I quit watching the news. My wife and I, we got so disgusted with watching news. I don't even turn the TV on to watch that stuff no more. Coronavirus and news and tearing up the country and all of this. Brother, I feel sorry for this crowd. But brother, I don't want to get caught up in it. It's just too depressing. I'm going somewhere, hallelujah, soon, bless God, where none of this will ever be remembered. And if you're not saved, I'd come and get saved. Thank God for his eternal light. Amen. Brother Brandon, you've got the rest of it. eyes closed for just a moment. We'll let the pianist come to the piano and play for us just a, a verse or two. Uh, and uh, I hope you know him tonight. Uh, hey, if, if you didn't get anything from tonight, just realizing who Jesus is and his position of who he is, I hope you know him as your personal Savior tonight. Uh, listen, if, if you don't know him tonight, I want to